Amen. Thank you, Liz, for leading us in song. As we uh, come this morning, um, I come kind of hesitant in a way because, and thank you, Eddie, I come kind of hesitant in a way because um, one thing that I believe that our church and most of the church churches need is good theology. I've been hearing a lot of stuff that um, caused me to scratch my head. When you don't understand um, some basic theology, then um, then a lot of things happen, and uh, cults are formed, and you you name it. And so it's my desire that as as believers. Okay, let me get this going here. As believers, we would really understand God's word and apply it to our hearts. So we want to start off by um, turning to the book of Acts. And as we look at the book of Acts, I think that it's important that we see some very in interesting things that I want to draw to your attention. Matter of fact, we'll be uh, using a lot of verses. And so uh, you just bear with me as, we, uh, as I work with this. Um, we'll be working with the whole idea of God and his work in our life. The more we understand this, the more whenever we're faced with challenges, we've not been out of shape. So I'm taking a deep breath here because I, I, if, I, if I see that you're getting lost here, I, I better shut it down, okay? But I just, let's bow in prayer. Father, leading God is now in our time. Thank you for the saints of God and, um, and help us to see from your word, not my theory, but from your word, how this is all together what you want to see happen. You have appointed a time. You're the one who affects everything. And you have set up an appointment for every one of us. Help us understand that. So thank you, Lord, for what you want us to see about this word appointment. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen. amen. Now, when we talk about the appointment, we're looking at Acts 17, verses 24 to 26, and Hebrews 9, uh, 27. These are some of the verses. We'll be going through a lot of verses when we talk about these, these because I think it's important that you understand the dynamics of what God is trying to say to us in this day and time. Acts 17, 24. The God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is, he, nor is he served by human hands as though he need anything, 
since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And have made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed and bounds of their habitation. I, I think it's important to understand it says have made, gets us now, of one blood. Please understand, I don't care what you call yourself, we're all from the same blood, okay? Uh, same DNA, it's DNA still. Uh, if, you are, if you're breathing, God made you from the same pot, okay? Okay. It did put you in another cup, but he made you in the same, from the same pot. And, it, uh, and as it is appointed unto men, Hebrews 9.27, it says, I'm unappointed to men once to die, but after this, judgment. God has have, God have done this, and we, uh, this is why we want to deal with this word, appointment. Now, a lot of times we see the word appointment, are you saying, well, are we going to talk about dying? No, 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 no. Appointment is, deals with every aspect of our lives, and you're going to see this. Hebrews uh, 9.27 as the point of the man wants to die and after this the judgment is uh, one that I brought up. Working definition. Uh, let's read together. Having the divine authority to determine, decide, decree, and to delegate all things according to his purpose and pleasure. Why? Because we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Don't you know that he made us and not we ourselves? <laughs> you know. Um, so then it's because of what he wants to do. That's why he's doing it. Everything that has happened, when you look at, um, um, I think it's Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes, the Lord was saying, he went outside of the continuum of time and says, everything that has happened has already been determined. Okay? And he has determined what's going to happen and, and, and has happened, and then he has already determined what will happen. He has stepped outside of the continuum of time. Just to give you a feel of what's going on, when you go to sleep, and then you wake back up, are you aware how long you were sleeping if you didn't look at the clock? All of a sudden, your body takes you out of the continuum of time. And you, whatever type of dream you're having, whether you're, you're having a nightmare and this bear's chasing you, whatever the case may be, you're in it during that time frame. Because you're in, and God is saying, I stand outside of time, and I'm telling you, and God chose us outside of time. Before, before he, he, God says, before he created the world, he chose you in the beloved. Are you good at keeping appointments? Uh, now you don't have to make a sound. Matter of fact, I'm not going to even look at your expressions. Okay? Excellence in planning greatly depends on being disciplined and appointing and making specific periods for completion. If you are a good planner, then you are good at keeping appointments, especially if it's going to come out. I've never seen a good planner who's always late and all these other things, there's always a flaw, then there's something wrong in the process and something is capable of going wrong. Because God 
the reason that he's God is that he's already made the plan and he's appointed a time and he knows he's going to work. Ladies, when you when you uh, uh, may bake a cake, if they still do it now, all these instant stuff now, okay, you have, once you have mixed everything, you have appointed a time as to how long it should stay there, okay? Especially if you put it all together, you know what you're doing. You have set the time, and this is, and it's not ready until it's finished at this particular time. That's that's even in the culinary area of cooking and what have you. You set the time. It's, it's, it should be no. It's a no-brainer. And so God sets time for everything in our life. Everything. And the moments that you're going to have a hard time, he knows it's going to happen. And he's already built in a solution for it. That's why he says, cash your cares upon me, because I know it's going to happen. And I've already worked out a solution. You don't have to work, out, work it out. I don't need your help. Get out of the kitchen. Okay? God in his sovereignty has placed in order everything that will take place to accomplish his ultimate goal. And nothing ever happens by accident. There are at least two approaches to how this word is, is used. One is delegation, and the other is for personal uh, encounters. In other words, um, what happens is that God has delegated some things that's going to happen in the continuum of time, and then there's some things that's happening in your life that he's appointed individually. Okay, so God, God is saying this is going to happen in this time frame, and that's why we were born in this time to do certain things because God has appointed it because there's so many people he wants to be saved or whatever the case may be. That's why you're here during this time. When your time is over, when your time is, is up, then that there's nobody that can kill you until your time uh, is up. Okay, so don't be worried about these guys, gun, these, these, these bullets are flying. You might get hit in the arm or something, but you're not going to die until the Lord says it's time to go. It's not going to happen. God has appointed, God has protection and everything else because he has appointed it. I'm glad he's in control. That, you know what that does? It takes the pressure off of me. If you're under pressure now, that means you don't understand the whole concept of appointment. So then we, we keep, our aim then is to keep us aware that we are a part of God's ultimate plan that will glorify himself. The bottom line, we are his workmanship. The whole idea is the reason that he got you in the game is that he'll be glorified. So he's not going to do anything that he won't get the glory out of. Nor does he want you to do anything that he doesn't get the glory out of. And amen to lights on that thing. Okay. Thinking it through. All of us are on the Lord's schedule, and he's always available to his people. I believe he has established a divine appointment, either with or someone he will place in our life. Either he set up an appointment for us or for someone in our life. Every assignment has a window of opportunity for our response. That means that God has set up an appointment, then there is a window of opportunity where if you don't respond, you'll lose that window. So then every time that the Lord says, I want you to do something, I want you to do something, if you, if you lose that, then what's going to happen is, let me give you an example. Judas Iscariot, did he have to uh, 
deny Christ, I mean, actually uh, betray Christ. No, he didn't. He didn't have to. No, you read that he did. He didn't have to. The Lord gave him a window. And the Lord made it very clear that if it wouldn't come by him, it will come by somebody else. Because God is not willing that any man should perish. But Judas, in his greed, and even hanging out with Jesus and seeing all of the miracles and everything else, he wanted to be, he wanted so much of this world, 30 pieces of silver, he sold out our Lord after being with him for over three uh, years, point something, and then sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. And his last words, some of his last words was, I have, I have caused this innocent man, I have betrayed this innocent man. And guess what? That wasn't even repentance. That was just an acknowledgment. And he has eternity and his window of opportunity. When he went out and hung himself, where he, and it says, um, that window of opportunity shut on him. Every one of us have a window of opportunity. And in that window of opportunity, if you do not respond, don't blame God. In the window of opportunity, not only are folks being saved, you have a family member that could be saved. And he gives you the window of opportunity to share with them. So then, uh, determination. There'll be uh, about three things there that I uh, had outlined. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, determination by uh, the, the sovereignty of God. Uh, that's the first thing that we need to look at. And the determination by the uh, sovereignty of God, we're going to look at the storyline here. And David said to uh, Michal, uh, it was before Jehovah who chose me before your father and before all his house to appoint me over ruler to uh, me ruler over the people of Jehovah, over Israel, and I danced before Jehovah. Now, I pulled that, that verse out because what happened is we're going to look at the storyline. Here is God's appointment. God chose David. Do you know, you know what all that David went through? Fighting a lion and a bear and all these other things and, and going up against Goliath. I mean, before he became king, he went through a whole lot of pits and valleys, didn't he? And so now what happened was the ark was taken away, and now they got it back. And when they got it back, the Jerusalem was, I mean, these folks were rejoicing, and David just couldn't hold it back. David began to rejoice, and, and he took his clothes off and just jumping and everything and danced before the Lord. And his wife was looking at him and said, now, this is disgusting. You know, here you, here you are, the leader, and acting, acting like that, taking your clothes off in front of all these women and everything else. Boy, it, it's amazing. Whenever God gives you the joy, somebody else is disgusted at you rejoicing. See? And, and usually it's because they're not there yet. They're not what? Okay, so let's go into the story. So God's choices never require a man's approval. Uh, Mikhail uh, verbalized her feelings that brought about serious consequences. And it goes like this. And it happened as the ark of Jehovah came to the city of David, uh, Michal, uh, Saul's daughter, which Saul gave, gave to David in order to um, be a stumbling block, looked through a window and saw King David uh, leaping and dancing before Jehovah. And she despised him in her heart. 
and they brought him, they brought in the ark of the Jehovah and set it in its place in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before Jehovah. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people with, uh, in the name of Jehovah of hosts. The, and then he says, and he gave out among all the people, among all of the multitude of Israel, to the women as well as men, to each one a cake of bread and, and one raisin cake. And all the people departed, each one to his house. Everybody was happy. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It was a hallelujah time in Jerusalem. Okay. If they had television, television boards, uh, screens and everything, the board, the newspaper reporters, everything, boy, this was a great time in the, in the, uh, in the Jerusalem Gazette. I mean, they were saying, boy, the, we have, we have the, the ark there and, and, the, and the king is giving out all of this. Folks, just happy, 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 you're happy, all right? So what happens? And David returned to, to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious has the king of Israel today who has uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaidens of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Whoa. That's, that's his wife, okay? Uh, and so David responded. And David said to Michal, it was before Jehovah who chose me, before your father, before all his house to appoint me over the people of, of Jehovah, over Israel. And I danced before Jehovah. And check this out. And I will be still lower than this. I'll get down even more. And will be based in my own sight. And to all the handmaids of whom you have spoken with them, I shall be, I will be had in honor. The response, and Michal, the daughter of Saul had no child by David to the day of her death. God said, Pow. Whenever God appoints a person and they're blessed and you talk against it and you go against it, they don't have to say a word. You look out for the silent hand because what happens is you go against the appointment. You go against the what? When God appoints someone in a particular situation, and guess what? It's not always nice people. He will appoint a pharaoh. He will appoint some of the most wickedest people in the places for so many different reasons. But in this case, what I'm trying to point, point out is this. It's not always appointed unto man wants to die. God makes appointments, and God makes this so that not only are you blessed, David is blessing everybody else. He become a, He's blessed, everybody blessed, everybody going home happy. He comes home, and he said, boy, I'm going to bless my family. And his wife comes in and says, oh, yeah, here you come in here acting crazy and, dis and embarrassing us and undressing and everything else in front folks just a shame like one of these vain people and you the king too wow do you know what that did to david's heart at one point i mean can you imagine the dagger but he had to recover and say wait a minute god did this whenever you're going whenever you're going through something you you're going according to god's will you understand something god did this that's where you stand. That's 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 what you stand on, regardless of what people respond, how they what they say and everything else. God did it. So you talk to God about it. Okay? 
that, I think that's very important. Ob observation. Always honor God's decision in your life when the ark was returned, David danced before the Lord. Two, let's read it. Always honor the means that God used to be a blessing to others. Many times the Lord's intervention will produce, one, a blessing, two, three, a defeat to those who oppose him, four, an affirmation to those who So the affirmation of who he is and the awesome display of his power determine intervention. The, the first thing you, you saw was one, and now there's a determined intervention. And as we look at the determined intervention, the Lord was very precise in his intervention in the redemption of man. He recorded his credentials as God. He, he comes on the scene, and John, John 1, his determined individual, remember the, that whole cycle, of, it, it starts off with John 1, 1, good theology, good theology, okay? It starts off with God, not a baby in the manger. This one is God. Matthew talks about, uh, or Luke will talk about the baby in the manger, but John talks about, he comes in with, I want to talk about God. And it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning what? With God. So then a lot of folks say, well, Jesus is God, and, and God is God. They're all one, no, not one person. They're all one in essence, but there's, you see two individuals here. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus, when he showed up, he showed up on what he made. He did this. He did this. And, says, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not what? Know him. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own people did not what? Receive him. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. That puts down the whole idea of we all are the children of God. No, we're not. You better cut that mess out. We are not all the children of God. For as many as receive him, him who? God, the word, who became flesh, the one who uh, was with God, and uh, he is God, and the same one who now coming to the flesh, the one who died on the cross of Calvary, says this is good theology. He goes on to say, who were born not of, of, of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the world became flesh, word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the, uh, from the father, full of grace and truth. As a man, here's the second introduction, Luke 2, 8 and 9. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the, their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be of to, for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God chose Jonah. Now let me just go back just a little bit here. When I say go back, because he first introduced him as God, then he introduced him as man. When he looked, showed him as God, 
and man, and you've heard me use this word a lot of times, when we talk about hypostatic union, he's perfect God and perfect man. There'll never be any other, other way. Perfect God, perfect man, he'll never, there's never, he'll ever separate himself. He decided to become that for us. Perfect God, perfect man. So now what you see is Jesus Christ becoming as a child, as man, and you follow his life because now there's only one way that we could be saved through Jesus Christ as a man and God to take on the sins of the whole world at the same time and still live through it. He took on the sins of the whole world. Then he said, it is finished, and then he died. He didn't die, and then, then the sins were laid upon him. No, he took on the whole world. Then he took on the sins, the, uh, what the Lord, what God put on him, what the, he, what all the world, the sins of the whole world, folks who are going to sin uh, after us, after we have gone. He says, took on the sins of the whole world. And then he shed his blood for our sins, and he says, it's finished. It's done. It's over. It's over. God chose Jonah. Here's another appointment. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. This is a quick, quick snapshot of the whole book. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You know why? He trying to be slick, trying to get away. Okay? Jonah 4, 6. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come uh, over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head and saved him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. And then that was after he did what God told him to do. But when dawn came, the next day God appointed a worm. God's doing a whole lot of pointing, isn't he? A fish, oh, you're going to try to get away. Okay, then here's a fish for you. Okay. Uh, and this is not one you can fry. I got a fish for you that's going to bring you and keep you there until you say, Salvation is of the Lord. Once the moment you say it, it'll spit you out. Okay. Now that you have done what I told you to do, you're watching to see whether these folks going to be wiped out. So while you're sitting there watching, I'm going to raise up a plant to keep you cool. So he raised up a plant, and Jonah's very, oh, he's so happy. He's exceedingly glad. Because of the plant. But at nighttime, God sent the worm, appointed a worm, a certain worm, to come and attack the plant. Okay? So it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a, a scorching wind. See, again, that appointment. An east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he said that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Boy, I mean, he was having a, a hard time, huh? But God had an appointment. I have an appointment for you, Jonah. And jo know what Jonah, Jonah said? Remember that window of opportunity? Jonah could have said, yes, Lord. If Jonah would have said, yes, Lord, he wouldn't have run into that uh, hot wind and all this other stuff, right? He'd have to run into the fish. He'd have to run into the, the, the hot. He'd have to run into all of that. When, but here he missed the, the window of opportunity of saying yes. So now we're watching him get a whipping. God shows us how he whips his folks, okay? So God said, watch this, watch this, watch this. And so what I do at this point is I'm going to raise up a, a large fish. Some say, well, he's there for three days, three nights. Then spit him out. Then after he spit him out, he goes to do what the Lord says. Then God's cool him down with a plant. You feel comfortable, Jonah? Yeah, good. Now, the results of that, I'll send a worm to eat that, that plant up. Now I'm going to send a hot wind to make you sweat. Now you discomfort, and the Lord says, oh, now you, and you read the whole storyline, and, and Jonah's saying, uh, Jonah's very discomfort and said, I, I 
knew you were merciful, God. That's why I didn't want to go in the first place. Lord, as in the Lord says, uh-huh, now I'm bringing it out of you. Now I'm bringing it out of you. He says, you know what? You have more compassion for the plant than 200,000 people who do not know their left hand from their right. He says, and so Jonah, but God had an appointment with Jonah. I hope that God doesn't have to have an appointment with you and you miss your first appointment. What does God have to do to kind of get your attention? God says, here's what I want you to do. And you decide, I don't want to. Do you think that God's going to chase you over his earth? Oh, no, 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 no. He'll find find something that is specifically for you. He has already set up an appointment with you, even in your deepest moments of despair. So here's something we need to do. Number one, what is it? Be available. Number two, be ready. Number three, be listening. Next, be alert. Next, be receptive. Next, be still. When, when, the Lord, when the Lord comes to you, the first thing you should be like a Samuel saying, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Don't be talking and everything. and Just, just, just be still and know that I'm God. Be ready to hear. Be ready to listen. Samuel was a great prophet. You know why? Because he was told by Eli, the next time God call you, I'll tell you what to say. And so God called him in the night. He came, and when the God told him, he said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And at that moment, God spoke to him. Oh, what a blessing. Oh, what a joy. Oh, what a change. And this man became one of the, one of the greatest prophets that God used to, in his, with his people, Samuel, Samuel. The Lord has set up an appointment time for every, uh, every time, situation, uh, every situation, trust him. The blind man, these are these, I'll just list some of them. The blind man, the demon-possessed man in the country of uh, the gatherings, the woman with the issue of blood, the Samaritan woman and the water at the well, the widow of Nain whose son died. I mean, all of these, boy, all of these are, are, are messages, and I wish I could break them down to you, and I'm excited about these because, see, let me just take the, uh, the one that, you know, the man from Gadara, right? The man of Gadara, what, what, let's say this is the owl, and let's say that this is Jerusalem on this side, and you had the nine-and-a-half tribe of, of, uh, of the Israelites on this side, and you had the... the uh, uh, two and a half tribes on the other side. They, God wanted them to be on this side, and God would provide for them. Okay, they this this tribe, uh, half tribe Manasseh, was on this side of of, of the uh, uh, of Jordan, the River Jordan. And what happened here is when they did this, they were on the Roman side, and God did not promise protection in all these other areas. And what happened was these folks, these folks. Um, they began to um, raise pigs, these wild pigs, and the pigs were, were for the Roman who worshipped their gods. And they, they, one of the gods that they, they had, they used pigs. And so that's why they had those thousands of pigs. That's why they were so uh, they were afraid of Jesus and told him to go away because you were running our business because we were, we were selling these pigs to the Romans, you see. So it was not a livelihood. But along with that, though, along with those uh, uh, aspects of it, in 
in the tombs, and you have to see what the tombs are, in the tombs and what was going on in that area was that on the other side of the, of the river, and the reason that they didn't come down to Jerusalem was that if, they, if all the men left Jerusalem, uh, left there on this side of the lake, then they would be vulnerable to the enemies, right? So what would happen is that God says, if you, when you come down for, um, to, to worship, he says, I'll put in the, uh, the hearts of the enemies no desire to touch you. And so the men would come, the men would come down to Jerusalem, but they were saying, it's too long. So what they decided was to build some things on the other side of that river. Now, when the person died, what would happen is that they would bury the bones, et cetera, et cetera, in these tombs. In the tombs, what would happen is that they would have to wait a year before the bones would dry. And they would, after they would dry the bones, they'd put them in a the box, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it was believed, and it was so that the demons hovered in those areas. And so what happened was this man was there as these demons who had no place to go. Here he is alive, and he's among the dead, you see. And what happened was this man had over, uh, I forgot how many thousands of demons because he was in there, and they were doing this type of thing on this side of the, of the Jordan forest. So it's, it's the history behind this is, is, is magnificent. Meanwhile, while they're in such a bad shape here, Jesus Christ said, I must go over, since he is, since he is a deliverer. You know, I, I have an appointment on the other side of the lake. You know? So they got into the boat to go on the other side of the lake. The other folks were scared of the, of the man, because he had so many demons, possessed by so many demons. And this, and this demon, this demonized man, was running toward Jesus, not knowing that Jesus set up an appointment to meet with him. And Jesus stepped on the other side of the lake, and, and these demons, they said, uh-oh, <laughs> we run into the wrong person at the wrong time. Now, why do you think the demons asked to go into the pigs? Because, number one, you see, Man, uh, when it comes down to, to the, the pigs and man, man could kind of fight this, try to fight this thing off, whereas pigs are animals. They could not. And these pigs were the things that the Romans used for, for worship. They said, let us go into the pigs, okay? We could still be useful in the pigs. But what happened was when they went into the pigs, the pigs went crazy into the water, and so the demons were still disembodied, okay? So the results of it is that when Jesus showed up on the other side, well, on what side? On what side? I am so glad that God, God always shows up at the right time because once this man got saved, then he wanted to go with Jesus. He said, no, you stay here and show yourself to the people. Guess what? Number of people got saved. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were saved because this one man was delivered by a Jesus that came over from a boat because of God's appointment at that appointed time. You, you see what I'm saying? That is why God's appointment is more than just satisfying your agenda. See? God's appointment is he got a lot of folks that you can touch. And all he needs you to do is to be in line to get in the boat and go over there with him, okay? Because where he may take you, somebody else probably wouldn't go. You see, like Star Trek, you go to places where no man had been. But when you go there, 
and Jesus show up, you know, it makes a difference what the Lord does. Amen? God is good anyhow. We'll wrap up this. Declare judgment. And then there's that's last, this latter part, and we're wrapping it up. Jeremiah 5.3, uh, 5, I will point over them. Well, Jesus, here I'll explain what's going on here. I will appoint over them four kinds of destroyers, declares the Lord. The sword to kill, the dogs to tear, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. Boy, if, if God was, if, if you're under the judgment of God, there's nowhere you can run. The birds are ready to eat you, Okay. If, if you're trying to run, you, the sword's going to, you're going to be hit by the sword. If not, you're going to die of hunger. In other words, you're going to die. I don't care how, how you look at it. Just how you want to die, by the, by the bird, by the, by the sword, by the, by the wild beast. Either way, you're going to die. God said to Jerusalem, you've been acting up so much. Here's what I appointed for you, Jerusalem. I appointed this. It says, I will not relent. You're going down. And sure enough, it happened. You can read in Jeremiah some of the things that happened to these folks. Acts 17.31. Because he had fixed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Hebrews 9.27. And it's appointed unto men once to die. And after that, this, the judgment. And so, Jude 1.14, it was also among these that Enoch, the seventh of, from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones. Jude 1.15, to execute judgment on all and to convict all of the ungodly of all their deeds, unrighteousness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are the grumblers, malcontents, Jude uh, one sixteen, Malcontents following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. First Peter 4.17, for it is the time for judgment to begin first at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of Christ? Second Peter 2.4, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into the hell and committed them to chains of gloom, darkness to be kept unto the judgment, then the Lord knows how to, to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. Remember when I talk about judgment? When there's judgment, there is no mercy. When, see, whenever there's judgment, forget about God having mercy. If God starts start judgment on you, forget about mercy. That means that you have spurned his mercy in the first place. Judgment always follows mercy. But if you spurn the mercies of God, then you will run into the judgment of God, and there is no turning around. Well, you've been very patient, folks. So one last thing. Even Satan and his demons are well aware that the Lord keeps his word, and they tremble. 
Let us rest on the truth of his word and his great faithfulness to those whom he has chosen before the foundation of the world. God has a few appointments for us. The first one was, I want you to be mine. And guess what? Those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ, you have accepted Christ as your Savior, and uh, you are forever his. The next appointment is, I'm coming for you. At the sound of the trump, the voice of the archangel, the Lord himself shall, shall, shall come. Not the angels, it says the Lord himself shall come with the voice of the, of, of the archangel. And we who are alive, you know, and then talk about, first it talked about the, those who have died. And then we who are alive will be caught up and be forever with the Lord. The appointment. After that, God says, now that all this is taken care of, I have an appointment with this world. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. This time, it's not for salvation. It's not for redemption, redemption and, and bringing all my people in. This time when I come, it will be total annihilation. You want to see how bad it will be? Go to Revelation. One-third of the earth. One-third of the earth. This is going to happen. Water turn into blood. Just a number of things going to take place. And that's only the beginning of God's judgment. And those who die for that, die from that, go into an eternal, uh, they'll be tossed into a lake of fire. Eternal. God hath set it in place and it cannot be changed. I am so glad I know the Lord. I hope you are. I, I know I've, I know I have stressed your, your patience and thank you so much for putting up with me on this one. But I wanted to lay this out to you. All of us have an appointment. I'm late for the dentist. Well, okay, you'll make it there. I'm late for the, okay, yeah, you can make it there. Don't be late. When God says, I want you to come right now. Now is the accepted time. He says to the un unbeliever, now, don't you? No, I've set it upon a time for you. Don't miss this window of opportunity. Now is the accepted time. Now you make the decision. Don't you decide tomorrow. You don't control your days. I got it. Now you make that decision. If you don't make that decision, then it's on you, not me. I'm a merciful God. I gave you mercy first. You haven't seen my, ju my judgment. I described my mercy. You saw the extent of my mercy. You saw me die on the cross. But you have not seen the extent of my judgment. And so... Those who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, don't you miss this window? You say, Lord, I recognize I'm, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. And you have pointed even this day to point out to me I'm not saved. And I need to be saved. And if that's the case, then we would like to pray for you. Say, Don, remember me. Every head bow. It's, 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 it's me, Lord. It's me that's standing in need of prayer. I, I, need, I, need to come to, I need to know Christ as my Savior. If, if you're that person, we would like to pray for you before it's too late. Oh, you got an appointment. You see, it's what you will be appointed to that's so important. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, you can say, Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. And that you died on the cross of Calvary for my sins. Will you come into my life? 
and save me. I turn from my sins right now, and you can do just that. Then others of us who've just been living our life day after day, one struggle and one, one crisis to another, and left God out of it. The Lord says, don't you know there's time to, don't you have a, enough time? I thought I had a time with you for prayer. I thought I had, you missed your appointment of prayer. You, I thought that you'd spend some time with me. You set a time. I'll meet you. You set it. Morning worship. You know what? We set the time. God said, I'll meet you. I'll meet you one morning worship, 1030. He said, okay, Lord, we'll be there. And the Lord's here. 1030. We set it, not him. And he's saying, I'm here because I keep my appointments. And I trust that we'll do just the same. So as we close this morning, vow in your, your heart, Lord, help me to stay on target with your will. That the time that you want us to, us to do a certain thing, to do it and not hesitate like a Jonah, just do it. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it's going to do in, this, in the here and the ears of the believers. Great is your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen. Mm -hmm.